1: Five days a week on this program is to help address the critical thinking shortage that uh, has permeated our society. Now, keep in mind, it's not that I have all the answers and I'm I'm not looking to create followers. I'm looking to create more leaders, people who are willing to own their worldview, stand up and do the homework to suss things out for themselves and separate fact from fiction. And you don't have to agree with me. In fact, it's probably best if you don't. If you, uh, if you go ahead and call into question anything that I share with you, that's fine. And it's fine because I trust you to ultimately be the one who is your own fact checker and who decides, you know, what is what. I've been thinking a little bit about, uh, you know, what it means to be a free thinker in, in today's society. And I admit, you know, for, for a lot of people, that's not a place they want to go because, let's face it, uh, you know, free thinkers, I think, pay a price in that uh, they're often hated and sometimes you know that sometimes they are personalities who don't uh, necessarily play well with others i think of some of the i think of some of the people though who a couple of names that come to mind real quick here and and you know Ammon bundy is one of those people who you know the, the media and uh, the the established interests the 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 power centers do not like him because he questions you know, what they are doing. And I think rightly so in many cases. But the media dutifully reports, well, you know, he's a he's an extremist. He's a problem. And, uh, you know, a lot of people just take their cue from that. Oh, well, yeah, I heard he was an extremist. And, and they don't really, you know, consider. Well, is is he offering you something, you know, different than just the status quo? Is he just, you know, marching to his own tune? And frankly, that's, I think, the, the problem. Uh, free thinkers... Step away from the crowd. And there's something about human nature where, where we're trained from a very early age to be suspicious and, and even hostile towards people who step away from the crowd. Okay, here's another one. And I don't know this guy from Adam, Nick Fuentes. I've seen a couple of video clips and I've heard him say some things that I'm like, yeah, I can't I can't agree with him there. But the level of hatred directed at this guy and the, the number of people who spend Hours of their day obsessing over him and don't listen to him. Don't even watch him. Don't give him the time. He needs to be, you know, thrown out of society. I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, if if you have something better to offer, why not focus on offering that instead of, you know, don't ever follow him? And, and I read a, a recent commentary from Alan Stevo who says, you know, uh, regarding Nick Fuentes, for instance. Nick is a very polarizing figure, apparently. But Alan Stevo says, look, I don't care if he's wrong or not he says let me tell you one thing that nick fuentes is doing right he's not caring what other people think about him and i know for that, that sounds well that sounds really antisocial but let's let's take this just a step further and consider when the crowd is trained to automatically get angry with or want to correct or otherwise punish anyone who thinks outside you know the boundaries of of approved opinion that gives us a very powerful incentive to keep whatever opinions we hold that we think might be unpopular or maybe we know they're unpopular. We're, we have this incentive to keep them to ourselves, even if those opinions may be correct. Okay, case in point, um, you know, if you believe abortion is wrong, well, that's fine, but you better keep that to yourself. You know, otherwise, you, know, you may have the FBI raid your house like a certain pastor did here just a few months back. If you believe that uh, deviant sexual behavior is wrong, and probably shouldn't be promoted or, or taught to kids. Well, again, it's not that uh, your opinion is necessarily wrong. In fact, to anybody with a sense of right and wrong, I would say, yeah, they're, they're correct in, in believing that. But do you dare speak it out loud? Whew, not in today's cancel culture. So my point is simply this. The people who find the courage to live and speak their values without regard to what other people think or say about them, are free in ways that the crowd or the herd, the people who are wrapped up in groupthink, will never be. And their willingness to live without the approval, others, approval of others rather is not necessarily rooted in arrogance or conceit or that, that I'm better than everybody else. Here's how you can tell. If they are not disparaging or ridiculing people who don't share their values, but simply saying, look, this is what I stand for, this is who I am, Why should we have a problem with that? If their behavior is peaceful, why should we have a problem with what they're thinking? Even if they're wrong. Alan will put it this way. He says, it's better to be free and wrong than to be right and be uh, subscribed into the system. In other words, captured by the system. And the beauty of being a free thinker is, even if they do get something wrong, they're free to find a better way. That's the beauty of being a free thinker: is you're not tied to. Well, I have to toe the line for this ideology, and I have to stay with it, or else. And the folks who rail the hardest against those independent thinkers among us tend to do so, for the most part, because that free-thinking individual has slipped beyond their control, and that's, I believe, that's really what a lot of that anger generates from. Well, this person's no longer able to be uh, intimidated or, or manipulated into. Conformity. And let's face it, conformity is rewarded. Independent thought typically is punished. Now, the ironic thing is uh, the influence of people who embrace the freedom of not caring what other people think about them is magnified by their willingness to stand alone. Now, this is where I'm going to point back to Ammon Bundy. I know he's a polarizing figure to a lot of people, but I have rarely seen an individual who has been more willing to stand alone if necessary, on principle, than he has. And the cool thing about it is, uh, you know, it's it has brought people into his orbit, not so much as mindless followers, but as people who recognize, hey, there is someone who is courageous enough to stand even when it is painful or dangerous to do so. And so in this respect... I'm not just singling Ammon out for this, but other free thinkers, even the ones you disagree with, they are doing everybody around them a gigantic favor because they're showing, by example, that it's possible to be happy and free without the approval of others. I don't recommend a lot of of uh, television shows, and and this one may not be for everybody. Dark Mirror is uh, kind of a, it's it's a it's a it's a dark kind of series or is it black mirror now i'm now i'm i'm doubting anyway it's it's the the british it's kind of like twilight zone on steroids and there's an episode that i think it's called downfall and it's all about social credit score and and how important it is to maintain it and if you want to be a high achiever and go places in society your credit score has to be this high And this girl, through a series of events, not all under her control, finds her social credit score dropping, and uh, basically she spirals into this downward spiral where she has to, you know, when she goes to to fly on a plane, sorry, we don't let you on the plane because your score is below, you know, this threshold. So she goes to rent a car, and yes, an electric car, and she gets the cheap, crappy, you know, outdated model because, again, her social credit score is low enough. She doesn't uh, deserve the nice one. But along the way she meets this this lady who's a truck driver and the lady offers her a ride and says, "Yeah, you look like you're a little down on your luck." And and the lady s- shares with her in this this wonderful conversation about how she became free when she stopped caring about getting the approval of others. And and in this particular uh this particular Black Mirror episode, um it it's It's a matter of you carry your phone with you everywhere you go, just like we do. But every person you meet, you rate them. Let me give you three out of five stars or four out of five stars or one out of five stars. I never forgot the, the message, though, of, you know, if you really want to be free, you've got to stop caring what other people think. And when this lady, in the, tr- the truck driver lady, when she describes how free she felt, she said it was the most remarkable feeling in the world. It's like taking your shoes off after a long, long day. But you got to be willing to let go of that need, you know, for approval. And, and, and uh, you know, people affirming that, yes, you are, you are in lockstep with us. And, you know, the, the, the herd accepts you. Hey, as long as you conform, the herd is always going to accept you. I think this is becoming one of the biggest tests of our time, though. How willing are you to really think about and and clarify and suss out who you are and what you stand for? And I guarantee, I don't care how careful you are, there are going to be some places where you will find yourself at odds with whatever, you know, the, the approved opinion or conventional wisdom of the day may be. And then you're going to have a decision to make. Do I, you know, alter my opinions? Do I just keep them to myself? Do I bend the knee in in hopes of keeping the favor of the crowd? Or do I courageously stand up for what I believe to be true? Well, I'm not going to suggest it's easy. I don't think it is. But I'm also going to float the idea that there has never been a time that the world has more needed individuals with exactly that kind of courage. I think you may be one of those individuals. I don't think you'd be listening to a show like this if you weren't. We'll be back in just a second.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Show. All right, welcome back to the show
1: couple of things i wanted to uh, to share with you this is this is just kind of a quick down and dirty little reminder from michael bolden from the 10th amendment center i know i was reading a an article by pastor chuck baldwin earlier today it sounds like tennessee is really going uh, ham on the idea of well the governor's calling a special session of the legislature on august 21st and they really want to pass what they're calling red flag laws now this is in connection to the, the mass murder that was carried out by a trans individual, uh, a, a woman who believed she was a man and uh, basically went after people at a Christian school, and she killed a number of them before police actually put her down. But what a misguided attempt to, well, we're going to protect the public by circumventing or short-circuiting due process to take firearms away from people uh, just in case they, they might be, you know, a danger. And that gets a lot of people talking about, hey, now we got Second Amendment rights and, you know, my rights under the First Amendment or the Fourth Amendment, blah, blah, blah. Look, I've been guilty of this too, but I want you to hear what Michael Bolden has to say about the idea that uh, your rights are not defined by an amendment. In fact, uh, he, he goes so far as to say the Second Amendment isn't your gun permit. You are. Listen to what he has to say here. Referring to your rights by amendment number, and does not just Second Amendment rights, but First Amendment rights, my Fourth Amendment rights. I've even heard people say my Tenth Amendment rights. It empowers the people who claim the power to determine the extent of those amendments, what those amendments mean. And there's a lot of those people, they claim the power to say, well... Oh, of course you have your second amendment rights. And here's what the second amendment means. Or here's what the first amendment means by referring to it by amendment number. You're basically giving them the power to decide what that means in practice. And then in essence, really what they do is they limit those rights. That's really what they do all the time. And really when you get down to it, the second amendment is not your gun permit. You are. I love that. (laughs) I think he is right on the money. But you gotta get, uh, you've got to get comfortable with the idea that your rights exist prior to government. In fact, you know, let's, let's have a little quick basic civics lesson. Per the Declaration of Independence, which was the justification for why the American colonists separated themselves, revolted against their legitimate government, Great Britain. One of the reasons they did that was because they said that all men are born with certain inalienable rights. Actually, they said they were all created. Okay, so they're what they're talking about, you, if you don't believe in God, that's fine, but they were specific enough to, to talk about them being God-given or rights that, that are naturally occurring because they are endowed by your creator, meaning they exist prior to government, and furthermore, they go on to talk about how legitimate government exists for the purpose of protecting those rights. That's pretty bold stuff. So much so, they fought a revolutionary war against their legitimate government, seceded from that government, and then set up their own government, including with a written constitution, that guaranteed government would be limited and that its focus would be on protecting and securing those rights. Not defining them, not, uh, not handing them out, or, or otherwise parceling them out and carving them up and you know trying to, uh, to manipulate them for political advantage. So I know it's going to sound radical, big surprise, right? But when people start to talking about well, you know, this is going to strike at the heart of the second amendment, they're going to they're going to overturn or repeal the second amendment. There's a time that would have concerned me. There's a time I would have been like, "Oh no, we can't have that." Well, that's the only thing that's keeping the government from from acting despotically. Well, well, too late. It's already acting like like a bunch of despots. So, for what it's worth, My take is, I don't care. I really don't care whether the Second Amendment or the First Amendment or the Fourth Amendment or the Fifth Amendment are in place. Because all of those rights addressed in those amendments, in fact, those amendments exist, not to define those rights, but to limit government power in regards to those rights. You understand that? Your natural rights limit government's power over you. That's a super important distinction. So, yeah, you want to repeal the Second Amendment, that's fine. I still have the natural right to self-defense with the best tools that I can bring to bear for the job. I don't need a permission slip. I am my permission slip because I know what my rights are, I claim those rights, I use those rights, and if necessary, I will defend those rights. And there is not a thing wrong with that. That is a morally sound approach to your rights. And I, just, I wish more people understood this. But we've been trained over a lot of generations to, oh, you know, really, we, we have to wait for some judge, you know, some guy in a black dress to tell us, you know, this is what they are or what they aren't. Got to break out of that mentality. It's its It's not helpful. In fact, it gives the people who wish to have power over you, power over you. Well, let's wait and see what the judge says about this amendment or that amendment. Now, granted, I understand that the system is doing what it's doing, regardless of the limitations on its power. That's a very dangerous place to be. Okay, there's no doubt about it. It's it's wrong, and it's happening. But you have this other secret weapon. This is one that... Uh, that People in power, at least the people who are seeking power over you, really don't want you to know about. And that is your consent. You have the power to either extend or withdraw your consent as you see fit. Now, it's not very easy, and they've set up entire elaborate systems, the IRS comes to mind, that are there to compel you to do exactly as we tell you to. But you can certainly tell the people who are serious about uh, claiming, using, and defending their rights no matter how big Leviathan gets, no matter how big the apparatus against them is made. There are people who are determined, I will live as freely as possible. Some of the people who live, you know, completely out of the system, no social security number, no bank accounts, anything like that. I mean, we look, that's an extreme thing to do. I agree. You know, it, it, it requires a, an extreme degree of uh, Conviction. But I see the people who are doing it, I don't necessarily think they're wrong. In fact, I don't think they're wrong at all. I think they have courage to do something that the rest of us, myself included, don't have the courage to do. Now, I point this out not because I'm trying to encourage everybody, let's all be as extreme as we can. I'm just saying we're coming to a point, and I think when when we are confronted with, you will either take the central bank digital currency and be a part of the system or not. The day of that decision is fast approaching. I wish it weren't so but let's you know let's not try to avoid reality it's a choice that is going to be forced upon us it's something that would probably be in our interest to think through and to reason out in our minds okay where do I stand where would I where would I draw the line to where I would be willing to separate myself from so-called polite society because I am not willing to yield another inch of my freedoms my rights I mean, I don't want to sound alarmist. My goal here is not to, to get you upset or, or scared. I'm just looking at the reality of what's coming. And and when, when I talk about, you know, that central bank digital currency, financial control over the populations of the world would be possible through such a system. I mean, China's using uh, such a system right now with complete with the social credit score where if uh, you know you don't toe the line if you have unpopular opinions or you visit websites that espouse unpopular opinions you can pay a price for it plus it gives uh, those in power direct access to your bank account how about that well uh, you uh, failed to use someone's correct pronoun so we've automatically deducted $500 from your account i'm telling you the the biggest lesson that we could have possibly seen in the last uh, few years was what happened to the people who supported the Canadian trucker convoy back in 2022. Bank accounts frozen, funds confiscated, people's jobs taken away from them, their professional licensure removed. That was a preview of what is coming. And don't think you can get out of having to make a choice the choice is going to be forced on all of us better to make it ahead of time than to wait for it
0: this is the brian hyde show this is the brian hyde show Show. welcome back to the show just a quick shout-out to
1: my sponsors, including Monticello College.org, LifesavingFood.com, TMCPNation.com, ClimbingUpward.com. You know, I provide links in my daily show notes. You could check out any one of these sponsors. You want to drop them a thank-you note, tell them thanks for sponsoring the show? I would greatly appreciate it. If you do business with them, well, that's even better. Please feel free to. All right, a couple articles I wanted to, to touch on here. Um, I'm including, this is kind of a... An oldie but a goodie from the Foundation for Economic Education. This one goes back to July of 2017. And Daniel J. Mitchell is the author here. What happens when you ask pro-taxers to pay more? Now, he's talking about people like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and others. Well, I think we should be paying more in taxes. I think that, uh, you know, higher taxes are good. But he says the the funny thing is uh, when you have uh, pro-tax hike millionaires... who are asked, okay, well, hey, why don't you voluntarily pay more of your money to the IRS? They turn out to be hypocrites of the highest order. You want to pay more taxes? There was actually a time in Norway where apparently uh, they launched an initiative with the equivalent of just $1,325 in extra revenue being collected so far. It was a voluntary tax. In other words, people, if you'd like to pay more, Here's how you can do so. Now, if that was a good idea, you would think, wow, look at that money roll in. Nope. $1,325 or the equivalent of that in extra revenue. Now, that's not much for a country of 5.3 million people. Apparently, their finance minister said, the tax scheme was set up to allow those who want to pay more taxes to do so in a simple and straightforward way. If anyone thinks the tax level's too low, now they have the chance to pay more. But so far... Very few people have refused to take up the government's offer. And that's kind of what they found out uh, in terms of of others. You know, politicians like John Kerry, Elizabeth Warren. Well, we need to be taxing people more. We need to be, you need to pay, it's your duty to pay more taxes for all the blessings the political class wants to shower upon you. But when when it comes to their own taxes, they're very aggressively engaged in tax avoidance. So... Taxes, higher taxes for you, but uh, they'll continue to buy the best tax avoidance through, you know, legal representation and tax planning that they possibly can. So I'm just going to state this for the record. As a patriotic American, I do not feel any patriotic duty to pay one thin dime more than I actually owe for taxes. I know, whoa, what a provocative thing. But truth be told, we all feel that way. I guess just most people don't really want to say it. All right, another story, and this is, uh, this one's kind of interesting. If you've seen some of the official outrage over the Jason Aldean song, try that in a small town. A uh, great article from Kurt Malberg. This is on intellectualtakeout.org. He asks the question, what if Jason Aldean were a rapper? Do you think he would still get the, the heat? And the pushback that he has over his uh, Try That In A Small Town single. Kurt says, you may remember when the press assured us the 2020 summer riots were peaceful protests. Now the same media outlets want us to believe that a country song criticizing such violent behavior is promoting violence. He says, uh, Jason Aldean is no shrinking violet when it comes to expressing his political views. The five-time Grammy nominees made new friends and enemies with a ballot decrying the crime and social dysfunction seen in America's cities. Try that in a small town, Aldine suggests in the chorus. See how far you make it down the road. Now, according to Aldine, among the crimes and chaos not tolerated in middle America are sucker-punching somebody on a sidewalk, carjacking an old lady at a red light, cussing out a cop spitting in his face and stomping on the flag and lighting it up, Now, the single came out in May, but it only generated controversy last month with the release of the song's video, which showed footage of the infamous George Floyd protests in American cities and beyond. The song's pro-Second Amendment message and its contrast of idyllic country life versus the corruption of the city is obviously designed to appeal to a specific American subculture. And it's worth pointing out that its lyrics objectively condemn violence and they only invoke the use of force as a means of defending life, limb, and loved ones. But of course that hasn't stopped pundits and politicians and the press from flipping the script to frame Jason Aldean as the aggressor. And they use terms like violence anthem. In an article on The Guardian, the Washington Post sang to its coastal choir with an opinion piece titled, Jason Aldean, Spare Me the Small Town Nostalgia, that declares the bigotry of small towns. Variety ran an article calling Aldean's tune the most contemptible country song of the decade. Hey, that's a pretty high compliment. Meanwhile, progressive podcast host Jim Stewartson has accused Aldean of incitement and openly radicalizing his fans into white nationalist vigilante violence. Boy, there's some uh, rhetorical vomit for you. Veteran country singer Cheryl Crow likewise crowed, there's nothing small-town or American about promoting violence. And Tennessee State Representative Justin Jones labeled, try that in a small town, a lynching anthem, claimed it's a song about normalizing racist violence. Now, CMT, formerly Country Music Television, went a step further, pulling the song from circulation on its network. Some among the censorious punditry pointed to the music video's use of a filming location linked to a lynching almost a century ago. The video's production company has since clarified Aldine didn't choose the set location, but that it's a popular filming location outside of Nashville. It also appeared in the Hannah Montana movie. There's not a single lyric in the song that references race, Aldine said in a statement following the controversy, and there isn't a single video in the clip that isn't real news footage. Now, at the video's release, before any controversy had erupted, Alden explained why he wrote the song. He said, when you grow up in a small town, it's that unspoken rule that we all have each other's backs, and we all look out for each other. He says, it feels like somewhere along the way that sense of community and respect has gotten lost, but deep down, we're all ready to get back to that. And he says, I hope my new music video helps you all know that you're not alone in feeling that way. Now, perhaps the most insightful commentary came from Daily Wire podcaster Matt Walsh. He pointed out, the hypocrisy of those who condemned Jason L. Dean's song as promoting violence, yet remain silent on the entire rap music industry. Nearly every rap song for the past 30 years has directly and enthusiastically glorified murder, drug dealing, robbery, and every other violent crime. And these people say nothing. Now, Kurt Malberg says, look, Walsh is exaggerating here, but his central point stands. You visit the uh, Billboard chart for hot rap songs and read the lyrics. Or if you're unwilling, he says, take my word that with few exceptions, today's top rap songs promote a smorgasbord of social filth, including violence against women, drug use, sexually demeaning themes, unbridled criminality, and too many uses of the N-word to remember. Nevertheless, in a pattern that's now all too familiar, middle Americans have voted with their feet. Try That in a Small Town has since peaked at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. That's Aldine's highest ever placement on that chart. And it currently sits at number 21. His music video has garnered over 27 million views and over a million likes on YouTube since its release. It's the inverse of Get Woke, Go Broke, or Go Woke, Go Broke. A cancel culture attempt that's failed spectacularly. And Kurt Malberg says the small towns of America... Have spoken. Interesting. I know that it's it's easy to to make the journey into you know if you if you watch too much of the footage, say of Antifa victimizing people, or the the various protests where people are threatening violence. I still think the one that probably made my blood boil the most was people just sitting there enjoying their dinner on a restaurant patio, and here come these marchers, fist in the air, and they were trying to force. People to chant along with them and raise their fist to show you're in solidarity with us. And one woman's like, no, I'm not gonna do it. And man, they were in her face, surrounding her, intimidating her. And ostensibly, you know, well, we're out here fighting fascism. You're how are you doing that? Well, we're marching along, chanting in unison and forcing people to do the funny salute that we do and say what we say. Wow. <sighs> Good job. No one would ever confuse your efforts with, uh, you know, being in support of fascism. All right, sarcasm off. I'm very grateful to live in a small town. And, you know, I'm not condemning anybody who lives in the city. But the more I look around at just what, what passes for normal, in big cities where you, you can't walk around, if you have a bag of uh, things you just purchased, you know, if you have a bag of clothing or you just bought a computer at the Apple store and you're, you're walking, you know, to, to get to the subway or something, it's not an exaggeration to say in the major cities, you are basically bait and there, there are packs of, uh, of animals that will come and relieve you of your property with no fear whatsoever that uh, anybody's going to try to stop them. I guess that's part of the message of try that in a small town that resonates very strongly with me. It's not that people in small towns are inherently violent, but our willingness to tolerate that kind of nonsense, let's just say the threshold's a lot lower for us than it is for people who are living under, you know, that big
0: city thinking. This is the Brian Hyde show. This is the Brian Hyde show. All right, welcome back to the show.
1: Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna warn you, I'm, I'm headed for some heavy territory right now. So what I'm about to discuss may be uncomfortable. May seem a little extreme to some, but I want to get this one off my chest, and I don't. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm far off if I'm off at all on this one. So earlier this week, uh, the president came and visited uh, Utah, came to to I think uh, create an, a new national monument. But before he came to Utah, apparently there was a, a guy in his mid seventies, three hundred pounds. Um, slow-moving, low-mobility, has to use a walker or a cane to get around. But nonetheless, this guy apparently posted some very provocative messages on social media. Stuff like, well, maybe I'll have to dust off my ghillie suit and my M24, and, you know, maybe this will be the first place where, you know, a, a corrupt politician gets a hole in his head or something like that. I mean, it's, it's crap posting at, at its uh, finest or worst, depending on your point of view. So the FBI chose to raid this guy based on what they said were credible threats towards the president now i'm going to just ask you to consider a person who was serious about uh, attempting to harm any political figure president on down would they really go about posting it on social media would they would they telegraph their punch i'm not saying it's a good thing to do i'm just saying you know this this guy posted provocative post the fbi because he's a, because this guy was a conservative and not a left-wing liberal, like, uh, what's her name, Kathy uh, the Redhead? Uh, sorry, Kathy, I'm not even going to give your last name here, but to holding up the severed head of Donald Trump or Snoop Dogg or any others. But because it was a conservative, challenging the most corrupt administration, I think, that we've ever seen in this nation's history. Well, the highly politicized uh, KGB, I'm sorry, Stasi I'm sorry, FBI sprang into action and conducted an early morning dynamic raid, SWAT raid on this guy's home. And I know there were people who were being programmed and told by, by the media, well, he deserved it. He shouldn't have spouted off. You fool around, you find out, you know, and granted, the guy was the guy was being a gadfly. I don't agree with, with the messages he was posting. There's probably a good lesson here of don't don't vent online it's unbecoming besides the fact that uh, some politicians may take it seriously and basically send the the hit squad to come out there and kill you but here's the beef that i have with the way that whole thing went down this is an elderly man low mobility why could they not have uh, picked a less dynamic way to resolve the situation this guy has to go get his mail he has to go out for groceries or to gas up his car why not, why not just uh, you know, call him up and tell him you need to get a lawyer and you need to get down here and, and talk to the FBI agents here at your local police station? They chose the most dynamic approach possible, where there is zero margin for error, and I think this is the important part, and where any resistance, the slightest bit of resistance on his part to, to obey what is being barked at him by the members of the SWAT team is justification for lethal force. So they straight up killed him, drug his body out, left it in the street for hours while they investigated. And, and if I'm wrong on this, I'm wrong. But to me, that, that just seems like there's a message attached to this. And I believe the message is this is a shot across the bow for anybody who would, would dare to openly challenge the regime. You mess with the bull, you get the horns. And I'm going to give you some more examples. Actually, this is the article of the day. This is from Michael Herman's Substack. We are all Roger Stone. I want you to keep that that shooting in Provo in your mind, but Michael writes that reports are surfacing that at multiple FBI offices, they targeted Catholic families as domestic terrorists. Some Catholic families had the audacity to question the curriculum and policies of the school boards and teachers association and were concerned with what their kids were being exposed to at school. Now he asks facetiously, didn't these parents read It Takes a Village? But the bottom line is the government, our government, put average American citizens on FBI watch because these parents decided they felt they knew better than the school board and the teachers' association about what was best for their own children. Now, did you read that just right? The FBI opened terrorist investigations into Catholic parents. Hello? Hello? Is anybody in there? Where's the outrage? If you saw Tucker Carlson's recent interview of the Capitol Police Chief then you should be questioning all of January 6th as what is known as a false flag operation, or in more understandable parlance, a setup. The crowd was just full of government operatives, government agents, government-paid agitators, and the aim was to make MAGA appear to be a threat to our nation. Normal, everyday American citizens who were caught up in the frenzy that was promoted, instigated, and created by government operatives are sitting in a prison cell right now for the crime of wandering through the Capitol building itself, also known as the People's House. Now, one notable exception heard on tape encouraging people to enter the Capitol is Ray Epps, who happens to remain free while so many others sit in prison. The August New York Times, who has spent barrels of ink pillorying the MAGA crowd of that day, actually wrote a piece defending this Ray Epps. Does that make any sense to you? Then you have Roger Stone, a gadfly and self-promoting oddity within the conservative community that was accused of our government, by our government rather, of some process crime, some violation of law that amounted to a white-collar crime where it's questionable to even find a victim, some code violation or failure to register with the proper authorities. He ran afoul of our overregulated society. Now Michael Herman says, look, I'm no fan of Roger. Some aspects of his personality creep me out a bit. But I don't think at any level he's a danger to our society. But none of that matters. A SWAT team raided his home early one morning in a true show of force to arrest him for the process crime with which he was charged. They went in with high-powered guns and woke the man up in his pajamas, this 70-plus-year-old man. Now, it's a certainty that had the authorities called Roger on the telephone or his lawyer and asked him to appear before the courts at some time that week he would have dutifully complied. A simple, Hello, Roger, we have this warrant. We're going to need you to come down to the courthouse for arraignment. And everything could have been done in a gentlemanly fashion, but the government didn't want that. They wanted a show of force. They even alerted the news media at CNN, leaking the raid information, so that the arrest of Roger Stone was captured for the major media and nightly news. Now, the arrest was... He says, you may not care about uh, Roger, and he says, as I, as I said, he's, I think he's a bit of an odd gadfly, but the nature of his arrest should chill you to the bone because the arrest was a weaponization of our government agencies that is alarming. Michael Herman says, people need to understand, particularly those that applauded when Alex Jones was thrown off the internet and canceled, that it wasn't long before they had Joe Rogan and uh, Tucker Carlson and others in the crosshairs. Now Alex Jones in his lizard people narrative may indicate he's nuts and his ramblings may veer toward the insane, but to cancel his First Amendment rights, to take away his ability to use social networking sites to communicate, that's a very dangerous road to travel. And it's clear in hindsight the left wasn't just going to stop at silencing Alex Jones. Somehow the left, and he says, I mean the radical far left, has taken hold of our institutions and is using them against MAGA or half the electorate. Are you comfortable with the FBI going into an aging Roger Stone's home with AR-15s from bulletproof military vehicles and helicopters overhead for a process warrant? We all saw it on television, courtesy of tipped off CNN. Think about the Catholic uh, pastor. Was it, you know, I don't think he was even Catholic. The Catholic families, of course, that uh, were, were investigated as terrorists, but there was also a pastor, I think, who was engaged in uh, pro-life activities. Same thing, SWAT team, guns pointed in his family's face, show of force by the FBI. This is why, again, I'm saying, I think that this uh, this raid and this killing in Provo was less about stopping a credible threat to the president of the United States and more about sending a message to people and and they they're using the fact that this guy apparently was a Trump supporter that uh, you know this will not be tolerated it's 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 on the verge of being criminalized this is a concerted effort to criminalize right-wing dissent in this country and the point here is If you don't believe there's some connection between a Roger Stone raid, Catholics becoming terrorist targets, and our president standing in front of two Marine guards bathed in an eerily red light, wailing about MAGA extremists being the biggest threat to our nation, then you're not paying attention. We on the right are under serious attack. Our own government has been weaponized against us. Michael Herman says we are Roger Stone. We are Alex Jones. We are Tucker Carlson. And we better wake up to what is happening. They're weaponizing governments against us to target conservatives, and the only extreme is the the only extreme is the way that they're going after conservatives. I'm sorry. I wish I had a solution for you, but I guess just consider this uh, a timely warning.
0: This is the Brian Hyde Show.